Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. This is Luke Stampini here with Thomas Goldcamp. We're going to go over the Florida Gators spring scrimmage. Just got done wrapping up. First of all, before we, we dive in, Thomas, just break down and kind of set the scene. What was the energy? What was the intensity like today uh, inside the Swamp? Well, I thought it was a pretty good first scrimmage. You know, Dan Mullen did a really good job gathering the team at, at Wednesday's practice right before they broke and said, hey, we're going to go over the film from today, and I want you guys to immediately get into that scrimmage mindset. Uh, ever since Dan Mullen's been at Florida, he's had this deal where, you know, they really kind of emphasize taking back the swamp. And so I think that's kind of been the message for them, uh, particularly after a couple uh, home games that didn't go their way last year. And so that was his message to the team Wednesday at the end of practice. And I think you saw them come out today with a lot of energy, obviously a lot of young guys. Um, and so it was very clear right away that this is very much a spring practice. It's, this is not a veteran team going through, you know, week 10 of the season where they know exactly what they're doing. But I thought guys really got after it hard. The coaches were coaching very hard. And uh, for the most part, I, I thought it was a pretty comfortable first scrimmage as opposed to maybe last year, you know, when Florida was really, really just starting, starting to get its feet wet for the first time. Sure. You wrote up on uh, Swamp247.com, your practice report, some of the top performers that, that showed out on Thursday. One of the names that jumped out uh, to a lot of people was so redshirt sophomore defensive end Zachary Carter. What did you see from him on Thursday? Well, he was pretty much unblockable. You know, that was um, as dominant a performance as I've seen from a defensive lineman in a scrimmage, maybe even since Dante Fowler. Um, you know, and it seems like Florida's had a lot of those guys over the last several years. But Carter was absolutely unblockable. He played on both sides. Um, so I thought that was pretty impressive as well. It didn't matter which guy he was going against. He was getting consistent pressure. We, we kept some unofficial stats, and I want to say I think we had him at about five sacks um, and then probably had several other tackles for a loss. Um, but what was impressive to me was his ability to kind of move to several different positions. And, you know, that's something that Florida fans saw last year with Todd Grantham. He likes to move those guys around and create mismatches. And so, you know, Florida has actually been a little bit shy on depth, the defensive tackle. And Luke Ankrum kind of had to leave the scrimmage at one point, And Zach Carter slides right inside to three tech. And one of his very first snaps, he's able to beat the right guard for another sack. Um, so he was a guy that really stood out to me and, and is really having a really strong spring to date. If he can come around and be a, a player in the fall, how much will that help Florida for him to step up? Well, it's going to be huge. I mean, you look at, you know, what Florida lost, obviously, with Ja'Kai Polite and CeCe Jefferson going to the NFL draft. I don't think that they have a guy that is as single-handedly disruptive as Polite was. And so you're looking to replace, you know, seven or sorry, 11 sacks from Ja'Kai Polite last year, six forced fumbles. You know, he led the country in that stat. Uh, you're, you're trying to replace a guy that was as disruptive as, you know, you can pretty much get. And I don't think that you're going to be able to do that necessarily next year with one player. And so that's really where for Florida, you have to start finding guys that you can count on to at least handle certain roles. And we've talked a lot about it on Swamp247.com. You know, they added Louisville transfer Jonathan Greenard, obviously, to, to kind of fill that polite role. But he's not quite as quick as polite. Um, he's kind of a bigger, more solid guy with, with good instincts and can really set the edge against the run. And so that could allow for some other guys to really potentially emerge on the pass rush. You know, Jamari Zuniga is obviously one of those guys, but I think based on what Carter showed today in this scrimmage and, and really has shown this spring, he's another guy that potentially you could build some packages around him being the featured guy as the pass rusher. And there's no doubt about it. If Florida can get a couple of those guys it becomes much, much more difficult for opposing offensive coordinators to be able to game plan around it. And, you know, Carter is going into his third year, certainly has the ability. 
he's got the size to play inside now, and that makes it really tricky um, for for offensive coordinators because you don't necessarily know how Florida's going to line up. So, if, I mean, if he can get that going and, and start to duplicate the kind of performance that he put together in this Thursday night scrimmage, you know, Florida could have a really, really good player on its hands. You mentioned replacing Polite uh, kind of by committee. Another guy that may be able to do that is redshirt freshman edge rusher Andrew Trapfield, another guy who you said had a great scrimmage on Thursday. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was the the two to uh, Carter's one-two punch there on the pass rush. Uh, he didn't have quite as many sacks as Carter did in the scrimmage. I think we only had him at two. But he was um, just ultra-instinctive against the run. He had at least four or five times where he was knifing into the backfield, passing offensive linemen, you know, before the running back could even really get going. I think once he even uh, nearly got to Emory Jones before Jones was able to get the the handoff off. Um, so he's a guy that a little bit more in Polite's mold in terms of size, uh, not quite as big as a Greenard or a Zach Carter, um, but can certainly, you know, burst off the line of scrimmage. And I think we saw that a lot today. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, all the reporters out there were like, wow, okay, this is this is why they were high on him. And Todd Grantham, you know, talking to him before the Peach Bowl was just super, super high on Chatfield and watching him in the scrimmage today. I mean, you can see it. He's just he's got that skill set to be a really, really impactful player. You mentioned his size, and that was the question with him coming out of high school, four-star recruit as an edge rusher. I guess how big is he right now? Where do you, where's he at right now after a year in the program? Yeah, I think, I think for me, height is probably the bigger concern. You know, when we talk about size, a lot of times guys focus on the weight. Um, he, he's more of a linebacker type height. He's not necessarily a real rangy, lanky defensive end. He's probably, I would say, in the six-one, six-two range. Um, but he's he's got pretty good bulk. You know, he's probably in the 240, 50-pound range. Uh, can probably add a little bit more. But I think you're looking at him. The thing that, that stood out to me today was the number of ways he was making guys miss. You know, on one play, it's a spin move inside of a tackle. On another, it's bending around the edge. So he's a guy that I think has an array of pass rush ability that, um, to me, stood out. You know, even though maybe his size is not you know, what you would typically say is, okay, that's your your super lanky Jarvis Moss type defensive end. Absolutely. He was a super productive player in high school as well. So that's good to see it's translating to the college level right now. You also mentioned uh, probably Florida's deepest position across the board, wide receivers uh, as having a great day today. Who specifically stood out there? Well, I think that's the thing about the receivers for Florida right now is um, there's just so many guys. It's hard to really pick one that stood out. I mean, I'm looking down the stats now from the scrimmage. Um, nobody had more than four catches. You know, Tyree Cleveland and Kadarius Tony both hauled in four. I would say if you're looking for one standout, Cleveland was probably the guy. He had two touchdown catches. He uh, he had a really, really nice touchdown catch in the back of the end zone over Christopher McWilliams. Managed to get his one toe tapped in just before he was pushed out of bounds. That was probably one of the highlight plays. He had another big catch down the sideline from Emory Jones on a really, really nice fly route where he beat Brian Edwards. Um, so so I think Cleveland was your standout in terms of the receivers from the scrimmage. The thing that just stands out to me overall is that Florida has so many guys. You know, Joshua Hammond had two catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. You know, managed to burn, uh, burn the defense deep twice. Uh, and he's a guy that obviously Florida fans have seen. He's a very, very reliable guy. You always know what you're getting from him. Freddie Swain did did a lot of work underneath, had three catches for 41 yards. Van Jefferson in the scrimmage, three catches for 34 yards, had a big third down completion. Um, so I, I just think you're so deep at receiver that Florida can legitimately line up four or five wide 
And if you're a defense, I don't really know that you can shade coverage to a Van Jefferson uh, because then you've got Cleveland running one-on-one deep down the field. So I, I think, um, you know, Florida's got a ton of potential at that position. And I think, you know, if, if other things on the offense shore up, uh, I think that group could really, really be a productive unit as a whole. We got to bring him up, Jacob Copeland. He seems to be the hot topic with Florida fans. He's been practicing. He's been not practicing. What's the latest there? And and do you think he can work his way into this little rotation? Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I that is probably the most asked about question this spring. You know, last year, the year before, it was you know where is Antonius Clayton? You know how when is he getting on the field? You know, fans always want to know about those top ranked players that come in, and you know when are they going to start to put it all together? Uh, the, the the simple answer right now for Copeland is I don't know. And I think that's probably where Florida's coaches are. Um, you know, he suffered through a hamstring injury that really limited him for the first half of last season. And that's something that's still lingering. I mean, that's that's the issue he's dealing with right now. And he really hasn't done anything this spring. Uh, missed the first couple practices. And then it looked like he might come back out and start, you know, getting involved. Only really does some non-contact stuff. And then now he's back to the point where he's not even suiting up in pads. Um, so he was another guy that missed the scrimmage today. And And to be honest with you, I mean, that hurts. You know, these are these are practices where the coaches need to be seeing you and seeing what you can handle during a spring in terms of the install, because once you get into the season, you know, they don't have the luxury of saying, OK, we think this guy can pick this up this week. And then they count on you in the game plan and all of a sudden you, you get to Wednesday's practice and you're not getting it. Um, so, uh, I mean, that's it, it hurts right now that Copeland's not able to go out there and practice. Offense as a whole, where do you see it right now? You, you've had a few practices under your belt. You got to see this scrimmage. Where does it stand right now? Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because Florida obviously brings back a ton of skill position talent. You know, I mean, nobody, nobody is going to look at that receiver group or that running back group and really have any questions about where the production is going to come from. You know, even Felipe Franks put up great numbers last year. So you're looking at it and you think, okay, well, they should be able to take a step forward. You know, all these guys going into year two in Dan Mullen's system, you would think they'd get better production. The thing that jumped out to me at the scrimmage was it was kind of similar to last year's first scrimmage where there's just not enough consistency right now. And I think what you're seeing is the fact that Florida brings back all of these players at the skill positions. There is a lot of consistency there, right? So the receivers and the quarterbacks have been pretty good. They've really, I would say, for the most part, had the upper hand on the defensive backs. You know, the passing game has looked pretty crisp. The, the problem is it looks crisp when there's not a live pass rush. And today in the scrimmage, you know, we saw an offense that had been pretty much taking advantage of the secondary and, and looking like the better of the two units. Well, all of a sudden it started to get very inconsistent when the pass rush is live and you're recording sacks and now you're looking at second and 15 instead of, you know, in a normal practice where they're not actually backing you up. Um, so I, I think the potential for the offense is there to be better than last year. But it's just potential right now. And I think that the, the biggest issue is going to be kind of similar to what Florida fans have seen the last several years. Can they avoid the negative plays? Can they avoid those penalties where they shoot themselves in the foot and back themselves up and that cripples drives? Um, I, the good news is Felipe Franks is much, much better now at, at being able to overcome some of those bad situations. You know, he's capable of making the throw on third and 14. And he's got receivers he trusts to go up there and get it. Um, but but Florida right now, the offense is a little bit sluggish when things are live, I would say. Is that because of the offensive line? They're replacing four starters up front. Where's the st- what is the status of that offensive line right now? 
Well, you know, to be honest with you, I think I think Florida's got the potential to be pretty good on the offensive line. You look at the starting unit. Obviously, they lost four veteran starters. Um, but you look at the guys that are coming back across the board, and there is some experience. You know, Brett Heggie has played. He hadn't been able to stay healthy, but he's played. He's shown a lot of talent. Um, you got Nick Buchanan back, who started all year last year for you. So you should have the communication aspect fairly good between him and Franks and then being able to make line calls. you got Stone Forsyth, who's been in the system for several years. Um, so you've got some veterans that you can build around. I mean, it's not you're, you don't have true freshmen on the offensive line right now. The, the bigger problem for Florida, and it really showed up in the scrimmage, is they do not have any depth right now that they can count on. And so what ends up happening is you saw in the scrimmage, the first series was really, really productive for the offense. The pass protection was great. Felipe Franks, you know, his first play was maybe one of his most impressive plays of the day, and it was a throwaway. But he had all day to work in the pocket. He went three for three on the drive after that throwaway, uh, had a touchdown run. It was an 11-play, 75-yard drive. I mean, just exactly what you're looking for out of the offense. And you, you're watching that drive, and you're super encouraged because the offensive line looks pretty good. The problem is later in the scrimmage, once those starters start to wear down as they get more and more series, the defensive line isn't as tired because those guys are rolling legit three deep with the Chatfields that you mentioned and the Zach Carter stepping up as key backups. The offensive line doesn't have those guys right now. Um, so I, I think the starting unit has a lot of potential, but until they get to the point where they're a comfortable with playing a huge number of snaps, which is usually the case on the O-line anyway, you kind of need that. But two, where the coaching staff feels like, okay, if somebody does need a blow for a series or two, that they actually have a guy they can put in there, I think you're going to see the offense continue to struggle a little bit over the course of, you know, a scrimmage type setting or a game setting. And that to me is, is really where Florida has to make the biggest jump this spring. You know, that second team unit with a bunch of freshmen on it has to come along. You mentioned Felipe Franks. You thought he has improved a little bit uh, this spring. Where exactly do you see his improvement with his play? Well, I think, it, you know, we, we just touched on it a little bit. You know, I think that those plays where he doesn't force things are, are really the key. You know, when, when he gets a clean pocket and you know what? The coverage is good and you have nothing there. Just throw it away, man. Take second and ten. Or, you know, be willing to run and try to get a few yards that way. Um, I, I think his biggest improvement has been been realizing that he can be a physical runner. You know, we talked a bit of, a little bit about it uh, with Blake last week on the podcast. Once he made that that switch into trying to deliver hits instead of taking them, it really opened up a lot of things in the offense. And so I think he's kind of continued that this spring, even though you're not really allowed to hit, you know, in, in spring practice. Um, but, but I think he just – he because of that, he's so much more confident that he's willing to live for the next down and, and throw throw a ball away here or, you know, just 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 live for the next down. And I think the entire offense is really kind of fed off that confidence. You know, he, we talked to him today, actually, after the scrimmage and, and asked him kind of what the one thing he would like to improve on is. And he says accuracy. And, and part of that is just getting out there and getting more reps. That's really the only way you can do it is, you know, playing full speed with your guys with a live defense. And I think you're starting to see that more and more from him with each practice. It just looks more natural. It looks more comfortable. And he certainly looks much more confident doing it. So ultimately, from what you've seen, do you believe Florida's offense can take another step forward in 2019? We saw a little bit of improvement in 2018. Can they take that next step in 2019? I would say this. Um, I don't think that you're going to see the offense pick up right where it left off at the beginning of the season. Um, I think that to expect a unit that was out there in the Peach Bowl and looked terrific 
to be the same unit that shows up against Miami is probably a little bit unrealistic. Now, having said that, I would expect the offense by the end of 2019 to be better than the unit that was out there at the end of 2018. I think that Florida's coaching staff has proven that it can develop guys. John Hevesy did a terrific job with an offensive line that, frankly, nobody really knew if they could get anything out of those four guys last year, those four seniors, those veteran players, because they hadn't done it before. Um, I, I think you're going to see John Havasey mold a pretty good offensive line. I just don't think that you can do it in spring practice or even necessarily in fall camp. You know, that's all part of the bigger process where those guys start to learn through games and through actual experience. You just can't replicate that. Um, so scrimmages are a good step. But, you know, right now, no, the offense isn't where, you know, it should be. And it's not right now at the point where you'd say it's taking a step for, or it's taken a step forward. I, I do think they'll get there. I do think fans are going to need to be patient because you're going to see you're going to see some frustrating drives next year. I mean, there's going to be some drives where there's a false start back to back or, you know, this or that. And, you know, you ruin what could be a good scoring chance. But I think that this staff um, has given you know reason for not only the fans, but the players to be confident. And I think that this group of players in particular looks to me to be pretty coachable. And you've already seen some progress. It's just about developing the depth, particularly in the offensive line so that you don't have steps back if there's an injury or, or, you know, something like that. You've hit on a ton on the offensive side of the ball, so let's kind of flip to the defensive side of the ball, the secondary. How deep is that secondary? What are the question marks with that secondary? What's the latest there? Well, right now in spring, it's not a super deep unit, um, particularly at cornerback. You know, with Marco Wilson out, that's one guy that you're counting on to start next year and really start and play at a high level that you don't have. Um, so I, I think in spring that can be a little bit of a silver lining. You know, you're getting guy, other guys experience and valuable reps, but right now Florida's, you know, the receivers have taken advantage and you'd expect that with a veteran unit. You know, they've for the most part have been better throughout spring and, you know, Chris Henderson, even, you know, even though he's not hurt, he's another guy that the coaches know what they're getting out of him. So he's not even repping a whole lot. So you've got some of the guys that, you know, were, were, were problem areas last year. You know, the Christopher McWilliams, the, the Brian Edwards, you know, they're getting put through the ringer again this spring. And um, I, I would say Edwards in particular has looked, uh, you know, a good deal better. You know, he's still getting beat, but he's making some plays here and there that you start to say, OK, you know, maybe we can get some contributions from him as a key backup. Um, but I, so I think at cornerback right now, Florida's a little thinner than it would like to be. You know, Jaden Hill's another uh, true freshman earlier in Rolly that's not going through spring as he recovers from an injury. But once you get Marco Wilson back and you get Hill back and then you add Kyrie Elam to the mix, I think Florida's going to be really, really good at cornerback. I really don't foresee that being an issue. To me, the bigger question about the secondary is still at safety. You know, Florida got okay play from that position a year ago, but you just didn't have the kind of game changers that Florida fans are used to when you have a Keanu Neal or a Marcus May or even a Marcel Harris back there. And that's where the the defense, I think, really maybe it might be the biggest question mark for the entire defense is can Florida get that, you know, high caliber play at safety? The, the, the issue there right now is you've got a lot of guys that have some game experience, but for whatever reason are limited in different ways. You know, Jawan Taylor tends to be pretty solid in the box and is a, a veteran senior leader, but probably doesn't have the range to really cover in the back end a whole lot. So that limits him a little bit. Donovan Steiner is obviously a very cerebral guy, has a lot of experience, started 12 games last year, but he's not going to be able to keep up, you know, in the open field with some of the receivers that can kind of break your ankles. And we've seen that, you know, Kadarius Tony in one of the practices the other day 
uh, goes on an inside route, catches a slant, and then cuts it back outside. And, I mean, man, Steiner, I felt for his ankles because he just he just didn't have a chance. Um, so he's limited in that way, even though he gives you, you know, the guy that's going to get you in the right spots. And then you have a guy like Brad Stewart, who I think, to me, has the best potential out of all those guys. He's he's the, you know, the truly elite athlete in that group. He plays with a certain swagger and confidence that you'll love to see back there. But for whatever reason, Florida's coaches have been a little bit hesitant to just slide him into that starting role. And, you know, whether that's, um, you know, dedication in the film room or, you know, something that he's not doing that they would like to see. I'm not sure exactly what that is, but if he can take that next step, I think you get a lot better, at, you know, at safety. The, the bottom line is I, I think Florida has the guys there to be good. I just don't know if they have the guys to be great right now. Um, and that's really where you need to take the next step for that secondary to, to really start to look like, you know, those Florida units of old that that uh, have kind of given the Gators the reputation of being DBU. Before we get off the secondary, Marco Wilson, what is he exactly doing this spring coming off that ACL injury? What kind of running and cutting is he able to do right now? Yeah, so he's doing he's doing pretty much all of the non-contact running and cutting they do. So he's running in a lot of individual drills you know, um, backpedal drills, stuff like that, where they jump up and grab the ball or cut this way, that way. What he's not doing is any of the seven on seven pass skeleton work or an 11 on 11, uh, because obviously they don't want to push him too early and, and risk anything happening there. But from my standpoint, he looks, you know, he looks a hundred percent to me. And we talked to him the other day and, and he said he feels really, really good. He wishes he could get out there now. Um, but there's just no reason to rush him back. You know I mean? He's, even coming out of high school, he was one of those guys that was so polished, and you know this well. I mean, you know, he he just, from a technical standpoint, is already very good to where that extra little bit of practice in the spring is not going to make a huge difference for him like it might for some of these younger guys. Uh, so they're they're just being cautious with him. But he looks great. I'd, I'd expect him to step right back into a starting role next to Henderson in the fall. We've gone over the nine early enrollee freshmen in previous podcasts. Let's just – Recap those. Who do you think will see the field this fall out of that group based on what you've seen through these practices and what you saw through this scrimmage today? Well, you know, since we're talking about cornerbacks, I guess I'll start there. I mean, you know, Chris Steele is a guy that came over from California, and um, I, I think he's transitioned pretty well, you know, getting into the college life and all that. Florida stuck him right in there with the starters in place of Wilson, you know, working along with that first team unit. And uh, it's been a little bit of a trial by fire for him. You know, he he has gotten beat a little bit. Tyree Cleveland, I think, you know, kind of mossed him in the end zone a little bit for an 11-yard touchdown today. Um, and, uh, you know, Todd Grantham, boy, man, <laughs> it was funny. We were, you know, the reporters were there talking about, uh, about you know, his, his steel playing because we had seen him on the first couple series. And then we didn't see him for a while. And uh, we were trying to figure out who the defensive back was that Cleveland just leaped over. And uh, before we could figure it out, Grantham just starts lighting into steel, you know, so he's getting that, uh, that trial by fire, I I like to call it. Um, but he's been pretty good. And I think that he's going to be a guy that Florida really counts on to step in. If, if anything happens to a Wilson or a Henderson, I think he's probably your number three cornerback next year. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the struggles that guys like Mick Williams and Edwards have had. I think that steel has a much higher upside and, and I think the coaches like that. And so I would expect him you know, not necessarily to start next year, but I think he's going to play that kind of trading role where he's ready to step in at a pinch if anything happens. Um, some of the other true freshmen, I, I think the number one place you look is the offensive line. Um, it's, I mean, it's pretty simple. Florida just 
there's three of those guys repping right now with the second team offensive line. Um, they're not they're not doing too well necessarily. I mean, you would expect that. And like we talked about, Florida's defensive line, they've got some depth and they've got some pass rushers. And Todd Grantham's system in particular makes it really, really tough for offensive linemen. I mean, they're stunting, they're blitzing uh, from every which way. So it's tough for those guys. Uh, Michael Tarquin is a guy at right tackle that really just had a, a brutal go of it in the in the scrimmage. You know, Andrew Chatfield made him look silly multiple times. But I think you've you've seen from him in spring uh, some potential that maybe he could be a guy down in the rotation, maybe in that eight and nine spot. I think you look probably um, at center as maybe the number one guy um, that that you would say of the freshmen can step in, and that's Kingsley Egokwan. Um He's been splitting second-team reps with Tanner Rowell, who's a converted defensive tackle playing center. Um, but he's looked pretty good. You know, he from a physical standpoint to me, he doesn't look like a true freshman. He's really managed to hold up um, in the middle against some guys like Tadaryl Slayton and Elijah Conliffe. And he's not winning every rep, but he's winning enough of them that you think, okay, with a summer of strength and conditioning and a little bit more familiarity with the playbook – I could see that guy being the backup center behind Buchanan. Um, so to me, I think those three probably are the primary early enrollees that are participating right now. I think Jaden Hill, you know, we talked about in the secondary, you know, he's not practicing this spring, but he could potentially be another one. Um, but Florida definitely has, you know, some options from that true freshman class, no doubt. Absolutely. With two weeks left with of spring ball before the spring game on April 13th, what do you want to see improvements on? What What areas of the – the team do you want to see get better? Well, I think it's for me, it's consistency. Um, and it goes back to kind of how the scrimmage unfolded today is you see the upside and you see the ability is there. You know, Florida knows what it's doing offensively. This isn't year one anymore. There's not a bunch of confused looks. Um, so it, it knows what it has to do and it knows what it has to do to get there. Now, what you need to see is you just need to see more consistency of execution. And that means not false starting, uh, not kind of having those mistake plays where the offense gets backed up unnecessarily. Um, I think you'd like to see some guys emerge at that safety spot. You know, we talked about that. Brad Stewart, I think, has really come on in the last three to four days. And if he can continue that, I think that would be a hugely positive sign. Um, but I think overall for Florida, it's just making sure that those freshmen, um, particularly on that second team offensive line, don't hit a wall because you can run the risk of being too harsh and too negative on those guys and shaking the confidence a little bit. And so I think John Hevesy has, you know, obviously the most challenging task from the coaching staff this spring in terms of making sure he rides that line between, you know, really being aggressive with those guys, making sure he's pushing them without pushing them to the breaking point um, because Florida is going to need those guys. And I think if you can do that and get those guys playing much more comfortably by the end of spring, and going into the offseason, I think you'll feel so much better about this offense. I think you'll feel like, you know, it's not, you know, a starter on the offensive line goes down and there goes your season. And th to be honest with you, that's a little bit what it feels like right now. So to me, that that's the number one spot. I know we, we talk about it incessantly and we have already on the, the couple episodes of this podcast we've done. But I mean, for good reason. You know, that's I think that's make or break for Florida season right there is that offensive line and how much they're able to develop between now and, and the fall. Sounds good, Thomas. I appreciate it. Uh, that'll be it for the show. Uh, we're now on Apple iTunes, so make sure all you listeners out there give us five stars, tell your friends about us, uh, and we'll be back later on this week for another episode. 